Welcome to the Televerse, streaming in place. Well, hello everyone and welcome back to Streaming in Place. Today we are talking about Lucifer, Season 3, Episode 15, High School Poppycock. And I do think this is one of the better titles, not necessarily because I'm all that invested in the title, but because I think it really encapsulates this episode really well and the things I like about it and the things that I don't like about it. Um, so I'm curious how you guys felt about it. Uh, normally, you know me, I'd want to start with like the, the, our brief Trixie content or with Maze, but I feel like for this one, we should instead start with Caldish because both of you guys Caldish. We did get a Caldish. Yeah. Each of us. I'm still disappointed that it wasn't one of our main characters' this reunion, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, me too. But I feel like like it qualifies as a cultish because Chloe didn't have a high school experience and then projected right. her high school experience on this. Um, yeah, I almost texted the two of you when she mentioned that she didn't go to prom and Lucifer was like, huh, to be like, by the end of the episode, Lucifer will have yes. thrown Chloe to prom, called it. <laughs> um, but, but I'm not sure that would have been a great accomplishment. That was pretty, No, it would not have been. That was because, pretty obvious. Yeah, no, it was very <laughs> obvious that it was going to happen. Um, and he didn't even like throw a good prom. He just dimmed the lights and played a song and had confetti fall down from... Yeah, he could have tried way harder. Yeah, it was a very low-key, oh, I just closed Lux for this one dance type of prom. (laughs) Well, I figure they're still under renovations. (laughs) And I will say that Lucifer probably rightly surmised that him wearing a tuxedo counted times 1,000. Yeah, So, like, you could eliminate the punch bowl, you could eliminate the disco ball, you didn't need a chaperone. Um, didn't need to take photos. There are just some other things. Like, clearly there needed to be a flask, and he obviously had one, so I'm not sure why he, he didn't pull it out. Yeah. Right? The corsage definitely counts, but Lucifer in a tux, especially that tux, which was very nice. Um, but w- many, many, many bonus points. See, I like this prom more than, say, the Grey's Anatomy prom and some of the other proms that we've seen over over TV in the past several years so i was all for this prom uh i I was just watching this going like yeah yeah this is really lovely i really like i mean i ship it of course so you know i'm really here for this (laughs) but let's remember because you know this is clearly a capital m moment for lucifer uh and this is equivalent to that conversation that chloe had with pierce that one time because that was also a moment show what are you doing what are you doing (sighs) anyways pierce is not in this episode so let's not get to to that let's not sully our conversation with land (laughs) you know what i didn't notice that he wasn't in the episode which i think is sort of a perfect encapsulation of my general feelings about pierce i just didn't notice that he wasn't there i noticed that amenadiel's boyfriend was not in this episode (laughs) (laughs) well what did you guys think of all of our chloe and lucifer stuff this episode i mean i i sounds like i might have liked the prom the best um but what did you guys think of of you know the the pivot in their dynamic, him being the responsible one, all of that. I was actually really curious to hear what you all thought about that because I felt like Chloe got really into those books really, really fast. And I think that the contextualization of I never really had a typical high school experience provides cover for how just excited and fangirl she gets about 
meeting the inspirations for these. And sidebar, I just really appreciate that Julian Gonzalo was not trying to indoctrinate everyone into virtual reality in this episode. Mm -hmm. That would have been a hard pivot um, (laughs) for the show to make. But also now I have questions, multiverse questions Um, that it just kind of read like, again, like this kind of broadness, suddenness that we've been kind of discussing this season with some of the characters. But we've seen aspects of Chloe just kind of clicking into things. It's just never been to this extent before. So I really enjoyed it overall. It just, I wanted to know how you both felt as folks who had been a little more like about the broadness uh, this season so far. For me, it worked all right, um, mainly because we got the juxtaposition of Lucifer being the responsible one and constantly complaining about it, which is also very Lucifer. Um, so <laughs> I think it worked pretty well. Um, even if I was also very much like, no, it's the editor. The entire time I was just like, it's the editor. Why are, <laughs> why are we having it? Why are we doing this discussion? I don't even recognize the editor in the show. I appreciate you casting a bunch of semi-recognizable people as my red herrings, but it's the editor. <laughs> um, I, you know, I had some broadness issues, but they were actually mostly with the prom, which I mostly really liked, even if I wish Lucifer had just tried a little bit harder. Um, Mm -hmm. Because there was a point during the prom um, when I said to my partner, oh, wait, he's fantasizing this. This is imagined. Um, Because the way that Chloe was reacting was so... I don't know, like not grounded in anything resembling reality. Like it didn't feel usually when Chloe and Lucifer have those big moments, they feel very human to me. They feel very grounded and real. And a lot of it is her sort of processing whatever it is that he is putting out because he's so um, changeable isn't the right word, but because these moments of clarity where he sort of reveals the best parts of his nature can be, sort of stunning and i've really enjoyed seeing lauren german process those um and this felt a little bit like i don't know um surreal in a way i'm not sure the show necessarily intended it came down to earth again at the end but there was a chunk in the middle there i wish i could quote it exactly but it was like she was sort of leaning her head back and saying things where i was like what what are you talking about i'm not sure what's happening here um so i thought it was a fantasy sequence for a minute um however i actually really bought all of the Chloe gets obsessed with the book stuff because to use a common parlance, it me Um, (laughs) like that. I related to it really hard. I have spent many nights, especially I guess like at the peak of my Harry Potter fandom, but it's happened many times since then as well, getting a book and just sort of falling into it. And then all of a sudden it's 4am and I'm just going to finish this chapter. And then whoops, the sun is out. And then I have to justify my decisions. And then she (laughs) needs to go to school. The one thing where I was like, well, no, because that I am very familiar with that experience, but it's not like all of the sudden it's eight o'clock in the morning and you don't realize it. It's that you get to six o'clock in the morning and you think I'm just going to do one more chapter and then I'll really quick go to sleep for half an hour. And then I'll put the book down until tomorrow. And then you call in sick to work. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) then, like when you get into that state, it's more about self-justification than it is just entirely losing track of time. Um, at least for me. Uh, but it was very, I thought it was honestly really refreshing to see Chloe have such a strong reaction to something um, as both a person who was sort of robbed of 
childhood and of young adulthood and as an adult who can say like actually no there's a lot going on in these so um yeah i i enjoyed that part of it a lot actually for me um well first of all i think a great comparison would be like for example drag race right which like this all the drama that's been happening in season 12 of drag race which admittedly there has not been much but for example the aiden british stuff like there's been some tensions between a few of the queens they filmed that last year and now we're all watching it. And so people, fans on, on Twitter can get overly invested on this and like, remember she said that one thing to you and they're terrible. And, and, and the Queens are like, yeah, but that was also last year and we were all really tired and it's fine. We're good. We've squashed the beef, but then the, but the fans are so obsessed with that. And, you know, which is part of like why the, the main tenor of all the reunion episodes in the pre in recent seasons has turned into stop sending this queen death threats, please. Thank you. You're not doing that on my behalf. Um, so, so the combination of it, me, uh, though less, but yes, certainly like be like, I can just do one more. If I didn't have a clock next to me, there are definitely times where that would have happened, where I would have only realized it. it I had gone halfway through the night by the, it, the sun coming up. Um, but, but also because she, it, like the sting is that the undercover is that night and she's very tired. <laughs> so sure. like the fact that she's also like got to be really tired as she's doing all this and like the, com the combination of like kind of giddy and excited and, and, reflecting on the differences in her you know childhood and her teen experience versus whatever normal is um I, I for me it all came together and worked really well and it's just so fun to watch uh chloe get to do something different that i i really enjoyed it and uh, i mean german i think is really very fun here too so so all that really came came to a head in, in a nice way uh, i liked <laughs> i liked some of the back and forth the different people i enjoyed her even i mean even just as someone with an acting background her like kind of slipping into like teen ingenue mode and she's talking to the hunk whoever the jock guy was or whatever i thought all of that was just you know there's enough vicarious um like thrill seeking and reflection from, you know, her thinking back on her experience that I, I thought it was actually really humanizing and nice. So I really liked all that. Um, the, and, and even just the, <laughs> the way they were doing the various Lucifer trying to sift out information stuff. And then I think I did it um, was, was just delightful and, and a lot of fun. So I thought, I thought they really managed all of that. Well, uh, Marcus says I had an issue with the timelines. It should have been class of Oh three since it's been, 15 years and she was 33 and it should be set in 2018. Um, and yes, that's sure. I do. I didn't have, I'm anytime I watch something on, on Netflix, I, unless it's newly released, I'm very uncertain of when, what year it's supposed to be set. And I've talked for a while about not being sure what the timeline is supposed to be on Lucifer. Um, so yes, I don't doubt that the timeline is weird. Um, Linda and Menadil have only been together for weeks weeks yeah we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get there um but i did like the um you know it sounds like hopefully in the reality of the show hopefully they found another copy of the manuscript somewhere because it sounds like a really lovely way to end that kind of a book series i was like a little part of of my my heart was like no when they said they destroyed the only copy, because just on behalf of the fans of that franchise in this imaginary world, um, yeah, that would be gutting. So, yeah, I, I liked the 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 thing with Ashley. I liked the, the scared teen running out. I, I was really <laughs> was on board great. with the case of the week. Yeah, um, the teen sprinting out, and then the reveal that it's a joint was just 
really like a, a really perfect tiny little Lucifer moment. Just great. Um, you know, I I sort of appreciated Chloe struggling to keep it together. Um, and your point about her being tired is really great. I, it just made me think of like occasionally in work when not over the phone, but in person, when you're interviewing someone that's affiliated with a program that you have like an intense fandom for, um, it can be very hard to shut down that part of your brain, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's the 75% of your brain that is thinking about asking Bradley Whitford questions about The Handmaid's Tale and personal responsibility and like, is it possible to redeem yourself? And then there's the 25% of your brain that can't stop dealing with the fact that he carried a backpack in and like, is it Josh Lyman's backpack? And what kind of, you know what I mean? Or like, I watched a very polished, accomplished um, journalist who primarily works in interviews um, sit down across the table from oh my god i can't believe i'm gonna blank on his name right now draco malfoy what's his name oh yeah draco? um tom felton felton yeah yes um and do an entire interview with him like about whatever amazon show he was on very professional really good questions really smart i was next so i was just kind of like trying not to eavesdrop but you can't really help it and then at the end she was like Okay. Also, I grew up with those movies and they meant so much to me. And I just wanted to tell, I just wanted to thank you for being part of my childhood. And he went, Oh, darling, thanks for being part of mine. We grew up together. And I was like, Oh my God, you are the most amazing. What a wonderful response. And I'm sure he, it's practiced and like he oh, said yeah, it many yeah, times. Yeah. But watching her go from like, Thank you so much for your time. Also, I grew up with those movies was like a, like a, a window went up sort of it was amazing mm-hmm. anyway i again it me i, I felt <laughs> it really i felt it really hard mm-hmm. um what well i mean there's only one other main corner of the well you know let's have time with the opening what did you guys think of our opening here with the dream and well allison bringing up like the, the idea that the problem was a dream i thought it was like a kind of a decent concept of like bookending this of like we have this kind of dreamy moment versus a nightmare moment but then we also have like a dip that's a very safe fall where no one's in danger of like getting fallen but always unarmed and so i think it actually kind of forms like a really good bookend mm-hmm. um even if it's not necessarily intentional and i don't know how much of it is i like to give shows credit when they do stuff like this um even if they don't necessarily do it on purpose or like consciously do it. Um, so, but yeah, the dream was really intense. Uh, aside from just the weird CG stuff of it all, <laughs> <laughs> and also that building's just way too tall. But then it's a dream, so it's okay that that building's way too tall. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I agree with Noel on basically every point. I guess that there's very little you can do about the glossy CG, right? Yeah. You know, it's it's like would I, because it's inevitable, I can't help myself. Would I ding legends for having a set that's obviously built out of like really cheap plywood? Um, no, no, because no, I, I expect it from them. Right. That, I expect that from them. Um, and in <laughs> the same, you know, to the same end, I'm not expecting, you know, blockbuster level special effects here, but it was pretty silly. I, I guess I, um, like Noel believe in giving, 
credit to artists when things happen that are perhaps unconscious because that's how art is made, right? Not everything that you put on the page or on the screen is going to be something that you knew that you were putting there, um, but someone else is going to find meaning in it. Maybe it was unconscious, but definitely came from you. Maybe it's just something that they're putting onto it, but all all things are right and interesting. Um, And in this case, I hadn't made that connection, Noel, with the dream, which I think particularly your point about the dip is really interesting, but the piece I was thinking about is if we're interpreting this dream that Lucifer has at the beginning, um, then his wings are both the cause of her death and his only means of saving her. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is really, really interesting as like a crystallization of what this storyline with the wings could be about. It's not what it is about right now because basically he just keeps saying, gave me my wings and took my devil face over and over and over again without ever really getting into like, I'm mad at my father. And that's about as far as we go. Um, But maybe under the surface, that's what's happening, right? Like it's a thing. It's a piece of him that he could use to help people and to, help this woman particularly and in this circumstance it would be the only thing that could have saved her and it still wasn't enough but she also wouldn't have fallen if it wasn't for the wings so or i guess also if he had more Having sturdy stronger, yeah sturdy guardrails or whatever guardrails, yeah, <laughs> yeah you whatever need, it was you need those. <laughs> <laughs> um so i yeah i guess i i hope that that i'm supposed to be taking as much from it as i am and i'm happy to give credit for that even if the other conversations that Lucifer is having about the wings and the devil face um, don't necessarily indicate that kind of thought. Marcus says the uh, guardrail was comically weak. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and also he says, uh, I laughed at the fall because it was such terrible green screen and, and unrealistic height, uh, but I'm okay with it looking silly because it was a dream. And yeah, I think it, it, it doesn't go as far into dreamlike as it, maybe should have. I think they could have pushed that even more and had mm-hmm. that would have been impactful. But um but I I think that yeah, I mean there's I think there's a lot in that and I think the it was really smart to include something like this because because they have not handled the tension around getting his wings back and losing his devil face this season as well as they should have. Um it really puts more context on his freak out like later in the episode. And because it's yes, it's about Kane, but it's not really about Kane. It's about a loss of control over his autonomy and his body, a loss of bodily control, and an inability to trust even basic things like I cut off my wings. So at least you know it really hurt and was terrible, but at least they're gone. You know, so so that inability to trust just like a basic level of bodily control of, over himself is uh, would be very traumatizing and they have underplayed that i think through the season um and not just on a level of lucifer's denying it but just i think the show could have done a better job with that and so he, bringing it back here not only i had i also hadn't thought of that comparison point null but i think you're absolutely right the the big b- bookmarks uh, bookends of the episode with that is particularly affecting and um it's really uh there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff there that i think particularly holds up on a rewatch through the series um so there's some stuff uh with that thread in this episode that i think is really very well handled handled for where we are going um not just in this episode and that's all i'll say about that um i also really enjoyed the 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 of course i always enjoyed the lucifer and linda scene but like so what are you supposed to mean well i should get guardrails is like oh my god 
kayak. <laughs> I mean, um, no, no, maybe, you know, maybe you're not dealing with your, your relationship with Chloe and your fears around that. <laughs> Sure, something. Anyways, uh, let's go to relationships, which means we have to go to Amenadil and and Linda and Mays. And for me, the case of the week part of that, I really enjoyed. Uh, was it Todd? Right. Yes. I make my own toothpaste. Just like I thought they nailed, which is a good that. sustainable thing to do, and I'm glad Todd does that. It yeah, but like maybe not the hot conversation for your for your blind date um yeah, yeah I thought, probably not <laughs> all of that i thought worked but the fact that i have i just so don't care about the amenadiel and linda relationship means i can't invest or i don't and i don't invest in their relationship and in maze's problem with their relationship i don't understand maze having a problem with their relationship outside of high school poppycock and her just not being mature Especially with how strongly they're playing it here. Like, this is a true, great, deep love. I'm like, oh, okay. Mm. okay. If it is, then, then, then May should be able to understand that or see that or just acknowledge that it is something particular and meaningful and that she is actively hurting two of the only people, one, her only friend outside of Chloe. And one of the very few people she has any sort of long-term, like, relationship with in any context and that's stupid i just really don't like the storyline um so what did you guys think of that part of things here (laughs) well what i think we really need to focus on is a unexplored corner of i think dr linda's a psychotic because she just had a cup of unwrapped lollipops sitting next to her window in her office who does that that's not okay. They're just gonna get all melted together too. Like it's it's not okay. It's like having those unwrapped candies in her dish too that Lucifer just gummy bears. Just why do you have unwrapped candy? Why? I think she's psychotic. <laughs> and maybe it's telling that this is what we're focusing on. Yeah. No, no, it's just the thing that like stuck in my brain of like Mace just grabbed a lollipop and didn't have to unwrap it. That's really weird. That is really <laughs> weird. I did not, not notice that. But yeah. I yeah, that's very strange. Also, I realized that um we need to like stop recording and start all the way over mm-hmm. because we missed a really good bit that we could have done. Which we is... should have been yes anding all our comments. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yes and I still hate it. Yes, yes, and I don't ship it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we should have been doing that. No, it's just, this was very, just, it was very difficult to buy into their whole breakup in the park thing as a result of, like, you've done a lot of this stuff off screen, apparently. It's been weeks. <laughs> um, just It just doesn't register as anything that I should feel particularly moved by, really. And that was really frustrating and then you bought add on this idea of i can that everyone else needs to feel kind of uncomfortable about telling maze for various reasons and i can kind of get that because she doesn't always understand social cues and she's a demon with knives it's okay to be afraid of that um but i think that that just it just doesn't have enough space to feel justified in anything that they want us to buy into. So while the scene I think is generally really good, including just watching Maze make the two of them really uncomfortable, 
Um, we're in a restaurant. <laughs> um, just, it doesn't land on like any sort of character emotional stuff. And that's just really frustrating for me. So. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. And yes. <laughs> and then I say the thing I would normally say, um, that uh-huh. was a really fun bit. Um, bless Dan. He's so patient. Dan is <laughs> so patient. Um, anyway, well, speaking of Dan, I was just like, wait, Chloe's at the reunion. Lucifer's at the reunion. Maze is at this restaurant. Who's watching Trixie? I had legitimately forgotten that Dan was Trixie's <laughs> father. <laughs> just completely forgotten. Well, and, went- <laughs> and if Dan is watching Trixie, that means she's probably at your very favorite police station. Um, yes. <laughs> because that seems to be where the babysitting for her happens when Dan's in charge. Um, I mean, I just, I guess my, I agree with pretty much everything that you've both said, um, including the connection to the case of the week, which I agree worked, um, both as like a fun reveal, like a sick of bounty hunter on him to, well, obviously it's maze to here's what she's doing with it. And then the connection, like that was really smart and well handled. Um, I just, my biggest problem with it is that it's much more interesting that maze is hurt by this because she feels left out than even because they lied to her, which she is totally right to be mad about. Um, but her saying, you know, I was thinking about it and I think I figured out that it's because I feel left out. Um, it's not a particularly mature response, but acknowledging it and making yourself aware of it is, um, my big issue though, is that there's, I just don't buy this as the way that Dr. Linda would respond to any of this. Like, I don't buy her just brushing it under the rug with Maze. I get that, she, that it's reasonable to be scared of Maze, but she's an incredibly emotionally intelligent person who has suddenly seemingly lost all of her emotional intelligence. And I definitely don't buy, after coming out of that divorce, that obviously controlling, messed up relationship, sure, sure, that sure, she sure. would then say... Yeah, you're my friend and you get to dictate what I do with my life because I don't want to hurt your feelings. Like I just and if that's what's happening, if this is a pattern with her, then they have not spent nearly enough time on any of their relationships involved for us to know that. It just it feels like a completely different character to me. Marcus makes an excellent point. Um, The relationship is made worse because it's keeping Maze and Linda apart. And yeah. We have we've seen scenes telling us why we should want Amenadiel and Linda to be spending time together, and that at least saying, even if I don't always believe them, how much they mean to each other and how much they're enjoying the time they're spending together. And the only scenes we're getting with Maze and Linda, and that we've gotten for most of this season, for you know uh, uh, behind the scenes reasons, have been the scenes of tension and not full throated support and friendship between the two of them between Mason and Linda. Uh so because we haven't got enough scenes it's like why are you picking Maze over Amenadiel? Why would and like this notion of I don't want to be the kind of person that will date someone that makes my best friend upset if I date them. Why do you want to be friends with someone who's going to tell you who you can and can't spend time with? Yeah. It doesn't it like those two things don't track either. I I don't want to be the kind of person who has a manipulative and controlling best friend also seems like that should be like, okay, I can buy the one, but not without the other. And it, they just, yeah, I agree. Elson, I don't buy it from Linda, but I also just, I think it, it's just 
It's just so stupid. Uh, it's just so, so high school and not even high school. My friends had more emotional maturity than this in high school. <laughs> and, you know, we were music kids and nerds. So, <laughs> you know, uh, but it's just, yeah, it is. And these are some of our favorite characters. These are who I want to be enjoying spending time with. And it really is not being handled well, in my opinion. So fortunately, it's not over anytime soon. But thanks um, for but, the warning. But, but before part, the end of the season, my partner's very excited about tomorrow's episode. So yeah, yeah, no, I liked most of this episode. Yeah. It was just that part of it that I that I didn't. There's a lot to though. I think we're gonna have a lot to talk about tomorrow in tomorrow's episode. So Marcus, if you have any other thoughts on the episode, drop them in the chat. Otherwise, we'll wrap up our conversation about high school poppycock and say that tomorrow's episode um, is season 316, Infernal Guinea Pig. And Noel, do you know which one this is? Based on my partner's reaction, it's either one of two things. It's not the one. That's coming later. Okay. Then yes. It's not the Ikea one. Okay. So No... I wasn't thinking of the Ikea one. I was thinking about the Coke joke. But was that okay. Ikea? That's the same um, one, yeah. Okay. Then, no, then it's the other one. Then I know what this is, too. So. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm um, very excited to see how this works. Yeah. Um, Allison, do you have any thoughts on what this Infernal Guinea Pig episode might be? Well, I mean, I hope it, what it is is that there's a guinea pig that's possessed... That's what I hope it is. That's what it should be. Like that's a, what it an, should be. An infernal guinea pig, like a demon. I mean, I'm essentially writing a spec script for Legends of Tomorrow right now. I've realized because that's what it would be <laughs> on Legends of Tomorrow. Um, <laughs> no, I mean infernal guinea pig. So somebody is be there's a test of some kind of tor. Oh, so it's Kane. It's a Kane episode. He's an infernal guinea pig. He is an infernal guinea, guinea pig of sorts of like he's constantly trying to kill himself. So yeah, they're and they're experimenting on ways to kill him. Do so, you, you guys have any thoughts based on how the episode ended and the epiphany that we didn't really get to see? No, I couldn't like figure out anything there. And Marcus does have a comment for us. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We will talk about whether that counts as an ish, a called ish, called it, called well tomorrow. Um, Marcus <laughs> says, I read that the producers recommend for season flow that the extra episodes at the end of the season would work right here. Um, and I think that one of them would. There is a throwaway line in yesterday's episode that, uh, or, or no, it was in this episode. That, yeah, no, that, it's in this episode. That yeah. directly feeds into one of the last episodes in the season. So that could work. Um, I was curious if you guys caught that, but apparently not. So no, no, no. I, I, it's just giving me like further justification that she's, that Ella is definitely hearing like celestial voices. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, Angels and- are talking to her and I really <laughs> hope it's Roma Downey. <laughs> um, and then the lap, but I think this, yeah, I would actually disagree with, them i think that the one of the two episodes work does work really nicely as a end of season kind of coda thing so i see what they're saying but i think it's better at the end um and then trixie marks you know is, is honest because of course we didn't have our trixie corner and it, trixie's great that's all i have <laughs> she's so nice closing that door in amenadiel's face because he <laughs> told her to it's just she's the perfect wing person for anyone 
Yeah. Well, and and she does it in the gentlest way possible while making mm-hmm. her allegiances very clear. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which is which is very that is very eight year old. <laughs> Good job, Trixie. <laughs> Well, that will wrap up our conversation for today. Thank you, Marcus, for hanging out with us and sharing your thoughts on the episode. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. I'm very excited. Um, Looking forward to talking about this guest star. Um, Until then. Bye! Manzoukas, finally! (laughs) No. No. No, Even better. Even better for this this context, for this episode. The casting they have is better than if they got Manzoukas, as much as I enjoy Manzoukas. But... Well, okay. More on that tomorrow. Okay. Bye. Bye.